From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 368 for the week of November 13th, 2014. The Disney Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jamada Willie, Michael Bowling, and Tony Spatel. And in this week's show, Michael continues his chat with author Don Ballard about the history of the Disneyland Hotel. And I take a look at two new hotel options, the brand new Hyatt Place and the even newer Spring Hill Suites. All that plus this week's news, roundtable rapid fire, and our Diz Boards Thread of the Week on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey there, hi there, ho there. So I ran into Nancy and Mary Jo this weekend. Yay. It was fun. It was a fun day. It was. I also ran into our good friend Jack Bergen. Did you guys get to meet it? No, meet up with I didn't see Jack. Yeah, I, I, I wanted and to actually, see Jack. I almost didn't either. I was heading out of the parks, ready to go take drive home, and ran straight into him. So that was good to meet him and his wife. So, were you in the car when you ran? No, no, <laughs> no. I was in California Adventure, which is almost like being in a car. <laughs> I love Jack. Oh, I um, wish I had any housekeeping. Oh, we ran into Luella too. Oh, did you? Good. I'm glad. I, I I tried to message her and... Well, she saw my just, tweet, and so okay. it was really funny because we were on Main Street, right, Nancy? Yep, and I can't believe that she and her family and my <laughs> family were all standing, like, next to each other, chatting amongst each other, mm-hmm. and, like, completely didn't... They, like, they, they kind of had their backs a, to each other. They were Mary focused Jill, on different like, things. Mary Jo like came up and and all of a sudden Luella went Mary Jo and I turned around and went <laughs> Luella yeah nice. <laughs> met her family which are really nice her husband Joe and a huge huge yep. shout out to Derek her son who yep. was there and he listens to the show so I told him I would send him a shout out so Derek there oh, you me. go she no has cousin. the cutest kids yeah <laughs> if yeah. I have little boys I would want my little boys to be like Luella's boys oh Really, um, really nice. Rem- Remember a few months back, maybe more, we did a did a review of the Fairfield Inn, and I stayed in the princess room. Yeah. Yes. So good news, they now have frozen rooms. Ooh. Ooh. Because we can't get enough of that film. Yes, we can't get enough. How but cool is if that? If you remember correctly, the theming was a shower curtain and a wallpaper border. So don't get too excited. Um, not that I'm bitter about my princess room. Uh, any other housekeeping? I have some. Go ahead, Michael. All right. Well, first of all, one is for Tony. Oh. Because I, I, when I was working on my segments on the Disneyland Hotel and I was doing my research, I found something I chose not to bring up in the segments, but I knew you'd find it interesting. Okay. And that is, is in the 70s when they had a building called, it was the Plaza building, and they had a lot mm-hmm. of hotels and restaurants in there. Mm-hmm. Well, they talked about how when the lease of one particular restaurant um, ended, they didn't renew it because of customer complaints. And the name of the restaurant was Tiffy's. <laughs> hmm, very interesting. And I thought, could it, could it be uh, that is the beloved Tiffy's that that you've talked about? Tony? I I don't see how it couldn't be. I know. Yeah, it was it was the only fast food restaurant my research indicated um, that was at the Disneyland Hotel back then. And but apparently it was not up to the quality of the Disneyland <laughs> Hotel, All right. and so they uh, they did not have their lease renewed. I'm and looking so. it up right now. <laughs> so oh, and I saw Big Hero Six over the weekend. So do we. Yeah, thanks to my thank thank you to our friends at Adventures by Disney for the free tickets, and we um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Excellent animation. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one scene that could be disturbing young children, as is common in many Disney films. There is a loss 
I'm not going to yeah. go into it, but it, it propels the rest of the film. Um, but I, I would be very careful about taking young, sensitive children to oh. this film for that reason. And, um, if but if you're a little bit late or you go get popcorn at the beginning of the movie, you will have no idea what's going on for the rest of the film yeah. if you miss that much of this yeah, film. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. Because this doesn't happen at the beginning. My kids didn't respond to it too badly to the to the the story plot line or the plot device as we will call it. Um my kids didn't respond too badly and they they really got it. But I can see where littler children. Yeah. I wouldn't watch. take my granddaughter this film. Yeah, four is for like that young. season. Yeah, f- she's five and a half. I wouldn't take her. It's kind of like you know N- Nemo's mom getting nuked. That I found particularly disturbing. Yeah, yeah. I I it, don't re- it, I don't recall the bomb falling on her mother, but um, <laughs> this, that was a special this, Blu-ray edition. This is disturbing. yeah. That was Nemo and the day after. That's what that yes, was called. Yes. yes. But um, but anyway, that was the direct-to-video sequel. Yeah. But it's definitely it, it's it's definitely well done. Uh, there is uh, definitely st- we Carol and I. I don't understand why people don't know this. Carol and I were the only ones in the theater at the end of the film for the uh, for the you cookies. Know, the, yeah, at the, the end cookie. of the credits, stay for it. People should know by now. They should. I was very impressed. I was very impressed with how well they incorporated that particular credit cookie and and how they incorporated the lead up to that credit cookie into the movie. Mm -hmm. And and Marvel comic fans will really appreciate it. But the the there was a family next to us, all little boys. And the boys just roared. I mean, they loved it. Loved, loved, loved this film. So for those and of us who haven't seen it yet, we should stay. Absolutely. Yeah. You should always stay at, for the end of any film now, post-credits. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially anything with the Marvel nod. Yeah. And it definitely leaves it open for a sequel. And <laughs> um, But... What is really just as good is the little short film Feast. Oh right my god, that was it. awesome! It reminded me of the first few minutes of Up, where you know you you get the whole lifetime of Carl and his wife Ellie in just yeah. a few minutes. This is almost a life cycle of a young couple becoming a family through the eyes of the dog. It is really, really well done. It so. was genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. Definitely genius. Now, my kid, my girls really loved Big Hero 6. And one and of you guys the, got to meet Hero and Baymax, too. Yes. Huh? And then because yeah, we went to see up. the movie, <laughs> because we went to go see the movie on Saturday, we ended up at Disneyland to go see Baymax on Sunday. How long did you because stand in line? We stood in line about an hour. Wow. Um, but we also hit Baymax at a, re- a battery recharging point. <laughs> so, so did he charge it for you? <laughs> he unfortunately had to. Well, that, okay, that had to have been one of my favorite sequences. And when they showed that in the that sequence in the commercial, you never knew why exactly Baymax was quite the way he was. And that was absolutely hysterical when Baymax runs out of power. Okay. So that's something for us who haven't seen it yet to, yes. to look forward I to. I mean, it's part of the actual commercial to the film. Okay. I think I'll watch it on the podcast, Chris. I, yes, yeah, I'm going to watch it on the podcast. I would definitely watch it on the podcast cruise. It it will be way more than worth it. Well, and um, I'm kind of wondering if that'll be one of the main main things that they show. It it is on it's on yeah. the list. Well, and I was impressed with the the meet and greet as far as that went. Um, it's Hero and Baymax, and oh, of course, funny. Hero is a little taller than in the film. Yeah, yeah it's Hero in about ten years. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but unfortunately, all yeah, the, I, yeah, I yeah. know why. It has to be. We don't have to get in all that. Yeah, I know, but um, but we loved how Baymax um 
interacts. He scans you. Oh, how cute. He green. scans you? Yes. There, that's a... You I'm have to see it. the movie to understand why Baymax is why he is and how he is. I thought that that was genius marketing, that they never really revealed much right, of Baymax in the in the commercials. I thought I thought the character development was genius. Okay. Um, All right, Siskel and Ebert, let's go. Okay, fine. But anyway, <laughs> um I loved how they made the meet and greet into um Hero's Garage where he does all of his robotics tinkering. And the poster details, his um his battle bot being there, I, I just thought that that was just brilliant. The girls noticed all of those little details. His charging unit, everything. So we we really had fun taking pictures, too, of all the stuff that was on the walls mm-hmm. while we were waiting and stuff like that. Because we did have a, a pretty decent wait. And if uh, for people but- who want to know about merchandise, too, they've got the zipper cup that you guys got, right, Nancy? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They're so cute. They're little Baymax sippy cups. You know, um, you know, your standard souvenir drink cups, the souvenir sippers. And my thought was to have um, to have it autographed by Hero. Oh, did he? When? Well, no, we didn't have a we didn't have the right kind of marker to do that, to have it permanent. You know, we didn't bring a Sharpie with us, but. I'm going to take it back and do the whole Sharpie thing next visit, I think. So, um, yeah, no, I thought that that was genius. And you know what else we noticed in the line? Segwaying to my other housekeeping segment, if we're okay. done with the Cure and, 6. And, and then Please. we'll circle back to to my last one. Perfect. <laughs> okay. We, okay. Be aware if you're going to the Disneyland Big Hero 6 meet that the line is in the very close to the Space Mountain exit entrance mm-hmm. to the um, the Tomorrowland Arcade, the Star Trader Arcade area. So the line zigs in and out in the storefront and then actually goes outside and zigs by the zigs by the payphones there by the bathroom. Well, while we were standing in line and not having anything better to do, you know, of course, the kids want to know what payphones are um, because, <laughs> you know, that's just a, a, a very modern generation thing. And I looked at the payphones and I discovered two things. They are free dial buttons to Disney hotel reservations and Disney dining. So if you don't have a cell phone and you need to find out if your room is available, you can use those phones to call the hotel, right? Well, I imagine you probably could. They reach the same exact um, lines for the main Disney dining, which is, what, 714-781-3463? Yeah. So basically (laughs) 714-781-DINE is the one. And then the other is the standard hotel, which I do not... Maybe it's the same only room or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, but those are numbers you wouldn't normally plug into your um, your cell phone. And I actually went and... I would, but... They're in mine. <laughs> I know my memory. <laughs> well, you know, if you're local, too, you know, and you're hanging out, you yeah. don't normally have those numbers. But I actually used it to see if I could get a Carnation Cafe reservation for later in the day. Smart. <laughs> While we were standing in line waiting for Big Hero 6. You multitasker, so, you. So there we go. So back to Michael. Okay, my final one, thank you, is, um, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, every once in a while, I will post on Facebook a photo of the house, you know, with my plants or whatever. So I put up a photo of our decorations because they, for Halloween, because they're Disney themed. And, and I had, I commented on how I had to really scale back this year due to the weather. And, you know, I got comments from listeners and then somebody posted, I know that house and I listened to the podcast. What? And, and then commented that she suspected she, that I lived in 
the town because I'd been talking about Apple Hill. So I want to give a, a big shout out to listener Leah. And it's funny because earlier that evening, I had seen her post photos of her son's Halloween costume, which was really cute, not weather friendly, but it was really cute. Um, that she, um, had made. And so, so I'd give a shout out to her. And if, um, she's lurking out in the shrubs right now, just <laughs> ring the bell and, and, you know, I'll give you a diz button, diz unplug button. <laughs> yeah. That'd be very cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I just thought, you know, we've all talked about times people have recognized us. And, you know, I talked about how once in a theater lobby in town, somebody said, aren't you Michael Bowling? And, I, I thought, you know, when, when you, when some, when, when it's out of context of Disney right. and somebody, you know, notices you or recognizes you, it's, a, it's a little, um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's me. And, and that, that's certainly what happened that night <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas has, Christmas has sprung out at the Disneyland resort. Um, this last weekend was the pre taping, of course. We all got caught in some of that. I think it was, there were a couple on Saturday, a couple on Sunday. There was even, uh, one on Monday. What, ha- what happens Monday. when they tape a parade and there's no parade, Tom? I don't know. Because there wasn't a parade from what Why? I've heard. Oh, really? Because I thought that it was on the schedule. But well, from, go ahead, Michael. You well, no, him. from what I read, they only filmed the uh, musical acts. And they didn't roll the parade down Main Street. Right. The parade was only done at Walt Disney World. And they did the entertainment at some entertainment at Disneyland. Disneyland. Okay. Um, And the tree went up Sunday night, Monday morning. We missed it. We missed it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I walked in Monday. I'm like, wow, that was quick. Just instant tree. Um, I got to see the Viva Navidad that, that, I don't know if it was there on the weekend, but it was definitely there Monday. Um, the new, the menu at Paradise Garden Grill is back. So I'm kind of disappointed I can't get my chicken skewers for a month. But how did you like the street uh, tacos? They were okay. I, yeah, yeah. And what about I dessert? Don't know. I, don't, we, I probably won't go back. We had the, the buñuelos and the tamales. What did you think of them? Nah, I wouldn't go back. The buñuelos I thought were okay. The tamales. Okay, well, what are those, Mary Jo? Buñuelos. The first thing you said. Just, yes. just think of it's like, like a, a fried flour tortilla with cinnamon sugar um, sprinkled on it. And it's 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 kind of like a flour tortilla, but it's very, very thin. And when mm-hmm. you bite into it, it kind of just melts in your mouth with all that cinnamon sugar stuff. But it's is it similar to churros? No, it's flat like a tortilla. Oh, okay. It's flat. In fact, that's the, the poor Mexican way of making buñuelos, <laughs> like me, was just frying flour tortillas when the kids were little and sprinkling cinnamon sugar on it, and we would we would eat those. Or or honey. You can sprinkle honey. You can um, drizzle honey on it, too. It's really good. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's real tasty. Now, Nancy, Nancy the, the merchandise person, are those elf Mickey popcorn buckets new? Yes. They, they are, are so cute. They are cute. And... Daddy said no to the girls. <laughs> Mary Jo was that for, was there Aww. for that one. <laughs> we are not getting any more popcorn buckets. Yeah, I'm so definitely weekend, getting that. This weekend is the official premiere, so we'll we'll I'm sure we'll have more to talk about next week after oh, everything opens in in. I can't wait to go up to opens. the jamboree and see what they've got at the jamboree mm-hmm. this oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. They had a temporary sign. It was like Harvest Moon Festival or something. <laughs> so Aww. it's like. <laughs> two two week Harvest Moon Festival temporary sign in, over the petting zoo while the jamboree is closed. So it's kind of funny. Aww. The, the the cabin is decorated, but the big chair for Santa. Oh no, they that's right. Santa's not there anymore. That's right, Santa's in the jamboree, so the cabin's decorated, but everything I, else. I heard that's where Mrs. Claus is going to be now that she's been ousted from the parade. <laughs> By by guess who? <laughs> uh, by Duff. Was it Duff? No, not Duffy. Duffy's on top. No, it's it, because Elsa and Anna oh. took over Mickey and Minnie's float. Mickey oh, and right. Minnie got put on 
Mrs. Santa's float. That's what was uh, different. Mrs. I didn't Santa's, notice that. So Mrs. Santa is now, she's going to be back in um, the Jamboree area. Okay. So they yeah, didn't have she's the so skating. wonderful. Remember how Mickey and Minnie always did the ice skating or chipping? Right. So they had- well, that's now the frozen float. Yeah. Right. They built over it. And they took off their snowflakes. I'm so irritated. They took the snowflakes off the snowflakes back. She talked about the, the, uh, the snowflake girls. On, yeah, it yeah. could be oh. could be wind related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they would fit in now with the theme of frozen. Yeah, oh. yeah they really did. Well. They gave them big fuzzy hats and all that cute. You know, they've always had that. No, I mean they're bigger and fuzzier. Oh, yeah, okay. they're huge. They look different. They're they're dressed like little snow skater princesses. <laughs> they've always been. But the, no, the, no, yes. they're more snowflakey. Whatever. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> and Duffy was there last year in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. Duffy was in the same spot. No, the girls were all excited about Duffy that I didn't even notice Mickey and Minnie. I saw them, but I didn't pay too much attention. I and I it's probably because where we were sitting. Yeah, because we were sitting in Carnation Cafe. Yeah, but we did notice the Elsa and and, and and Anna. Oh my gosh, she had the mannerisms down. So, so they, did they integrate that into the parade itself? Yes. Is that what's yes. happening? Yes. Okay. It's in the middle of the parade, which makes sense. Yeah, it, it's in the middle of the parade, and you know, I didn't pay too much attention to the music because you know the music kind of is tailored to the different floats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, they had Anna was. Think of the float is being two-tiered and so Anna was on the lower part in the front and very animated uh, talking to everybody and Elsa was on top and very regal looking right Nancy because you were saying she was acting yeah, like a queen yeah well I mean if, if you think about it she's their queen I mean she's the only quote-unquote princess that's actually a queen so um but yes, they were really playing to that. Like the way Anna responded to the music and the lyrics of the song, Anna made the same gestures that all the princesses do, you know, like Cinderella and company. But Elsa was refrained from doing those kind of motions. She would, you know, she would occasionally, you know. She's trying not to ice down Main Street. She's got to be careful. No, she was very much showing that Elsa Regal bearing that they've kind of moved into that Once Upon a Time character even more so than in the movie. I thought she was a little looser in the movie than they're actually playing, portraying her in things like the parades and stuff. But All right, any anyway. other housekeeping? Yes, a Carnation Cafe related one. Okay. Um, we were it's eating. Be the longest show ever. <laughs> you know, but hey, this is actually um, this is actually a good one for um, our bathroom show. Um, in that, you know, we mentioned the Carnation Cafe potties being right there and a great access point. Um, if you are eating at the Carnation Cafe, well, so we had to go. Well. We were at the restaurant, and so we looked around. Of course, they've removed the side gate since they redid right. everything. It's the big, big door in the back. And so we told, we looked around. We forgot about the big door in the back because it's really not obvious. It looks right. more like a, it looks like more like a cast, a cast member bus station point. Um, so we forgot about that point, and um, it turns out that there's not a door into the ba- back into the restaurant, even though you can leave out of that door. Yeah, it's it's tough to get back in. So anyway, that was worth mentioning since we didn't kind of mention that in the show. So all right, um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at dlpodcast at wwinfo.com. Links to anything we talk about, as I said, will be at disunplugged.com. Any other housekeeping? One, other yeah. We'll see a bunch of you in a couple weeks on the podcast cruise. No. Um, I have a really quick one since nobody's okay. mentioned it yet. At Cozy Cones, they have a new cone. Uh, it's macaroni and cheese yes. with bacon in it. And so far, I've been seeing a lot of happy people who've been eating it. <laughs> so I, I, my kids are stoked. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that one out. You know, for research purposes, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, and another bathroom, another bathroom related one. Um, Mary Jo and I did check out the Adventureland ones since we dogged on them so badly during the, during the show. And they were actually reasonable, clean, and very nice this time. Yeah. Okay. 
So still has thirty stalls. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Any that other housekeeping? It. No, please, no, no. No, Any? nope, Any? none. Okay, We're good. good. All right, over to Tony with the news. Okay, I'm still here. Was, there's new news stories that have come up since the housekeeping. <laughs> yeah, break. Is, I hope it's about bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a good plug on the Orlando oh, show about our bathroom okay. show. Okay, as soon as that? you hear, hey, you know there's going to be a three-minute explanation right. as to why yep. what she's about to say is worthy. <laughs> okay. Hey, this news is really important. <laughs> Good. Tell us why. Okay. Starting with the Gutenberg Press. Yes. So the election. <laughs> we have the we, Phoenicians yes, to think. We about. have. <laughs> it's the original uh, backup system. We we had an election all over the nation recently, and Anaheim was no different. And we've been talking a lot about Anaheim and the politics going on with Angel Stadium and Disneyland. So. There were some changes that might affect everything, so here you go. Anaheim Mayor Tom Tate handily won re-election. Voter returns showed, while his endorsed candidate for City Council James Vanderbilt unseated incumbent Councilwoman Gail Eastman. Tate won 54.1% of the vote, trouncing opponents Lucille Kring, a sitting councilwoman, and Lori Galloway, a former councilwoman who each received less than 20% of the vote. The election victories take a seat away from the formerly 4-1 city council majority that had isolated Tate in recent years because of his opposition to massive tax subsidies for politically connected businesses. I think we can read into what our politically corrected businesses are. Mm-hmm. With Vanderbilt's election, the council becomes a 3-2 split. Marie and Eastman did not have comment on this. At his election headquarters in downtown Anaheim, Tate's family and supporters cheered as Vanderbilt's slim lead over what Eastman slowly widened. Tate said his re-election and Vanderbilt's victory signaled that the voters are tired of city leaders steering public resources to expensive projects and subsidies for the resort area and major businesses while paying little attention to underserved neighborhoods. Tate cited the controversial $158 million tax subsidy for a hotel developer a now-scrapped Angel Stadium lease proposal that gave over 150 acres of land to the team owner for $1 a year, a $319 million streetcar system, and a $200 million convention center expansion. All projects and subsidies voted on in the last two years as issues that have turned voters against the council majority. This is about the people being central to Anaheim and not the resort district, Tate said. Said Vanderbilt, the mayor had a message. He said we need to bring this stuff to light. And to give you the quote of the year, Jason Young, a Tate supporter and former Save Anaheim blogger, said the election night was a defeat for Disney and Pringle. Kurt Pringle and Disney got some part of their body hmm. kicked by some other part of their body, he said. that's I, I paraphrase that one. So that's, that's interesting. They couldn't buy an election. Well, but... If you look, yeah, Tate's been really, really vocal though. So that's and if you the majority of people who live in Anaheim don't benefit from all of these things, right? Right, exactly. So I hate to be all political, but I can kind of see how it. I mean, I love my Disney stuff, and I want all these nice tax subsidies because it doesn't aff- affect my money. <laughs> but I and I it doesn't surprise me. It'll be interesting to see what happens going forward but, with all these projects. But that said, doesn't it rate rate doesn't it raise a lot of tax revenue that pays uh, yeah, for it your, does. your police and fire and all of that? It does. It's like Vatican yeah. City in the middle of Anaheim. That's what's weird about yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll be interested. Interesting. Yeah, so we'll keep our eyes posted. I mean, the, Go ahead. He still doesn't have a majority, but he can cause trouble. Yeah. Speaking of causing trouble, nice. Mm. No fly zones over Disney parks face new scrutiny because you know you would cause trouble if you're flying over. That's, That's right. Where the that was my mm-hmm. point there was that one. Hey, <laughs> hey, nice. Hey, <laughs> the happiest place on earth has some of the strictest <laughs> airspace in America. Recently, an odd pair of security alerts appeared on the FAA website reminding pilots that they are not allowed to fly into two areas in Southern California and Central Florida. The sky over Disneyland in Anaheim and Walt Disney World in Orlando is national defense airspace. Intentionally violating Mickey and Minnie's airspace, the alerts warn, could result in interception, interrogation, and federal prosecution. 
These no-fly zones are known as temporary flight restrictions like the ones that surround the president when he travels or those put in place over Ferguson, Missouri during protests over the summer. Wildfires, air shows, and large sporting events regularly get temporary flight restrictions. Yet there is nothing temporary about the restrictions over the Disney properties. Such limits do not exist, however, over competing theme parks such as Universal Studios or Knott's Berry Farm. The Disney restrictions have been in place since 2003 thanks to a provision quietly slipped into a massive congressional spending bill weeks before the Iraq War. Defense and counterterrorism officials did not appear to ask for the Disney protections, which were instead urged by at least one Disney lobbyist, according to an Orlando Sentinel investigation in 2003. The restrictions effectively ended a war between Disney and aerial advertisers who had buzzed over the parks for years before the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. FAA Administrator Michael Huerta testified before Congress last year that if the congressional mandate were removed, the agency would not otherwise grant requests for no-fly zones over Disney properties under existing FAA rules. That 2003 law also made no-fly zones over sporting events permanent. If that law were lifted, an FAA spokeswoman said recently, the agency would consider requests for such zones on a case-by-case basis and consult with other agencies. Defenders of the zones have said the Disney parks merit special protection because of their importance to American culture and the large crowds they draw. Critics say that the zones which each cover a three-mile radius would be useless against a true terrorist attack and that the restrictions instead mostly harm pilots who tow advertising banners. Banner towers used to make money with their banner towers, towers, towers. I've never used the word that way. Banner tows around Disneyland. Now they're not allowed to. People can't take aerial photography shots. Said Mark Skinner, owner of Anaheim Helicopters. Yeah, you want to. (laughs) (laughs) But you can fly around Knott's Berry Farm, Six Flags, no big deal, he said. According to the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, nearly 100 aerial advertising firms went out of business. Wow. Interesting. After Congress codified the no-fly zones over the Disney parks and sporting events. Pilots have been especially critical of the sporting event no-fly zones, which may just last a few hours, but are implemented thousands of times a year. Skinner said, even if terrorists attacked Disneyland, no one was actively patrolling the park's airspace. If something bad were to happen, how quickly they could, could they get something up there? Not quick enough, he said. A plane can cover three miles in literally a minute. A Disney spokeswoman said the no-fly zones protected the public. We believe the airspace restrictions over large gathering places like sports stadiums and our theme parks continue to make sense for enhancing public safety. Kathy Killian said, who are all these new people, Tom? I, where's our... <laughs> I know, what happened yeah. to Susie? Uh, she must maybe she got promoted and now she's got a minions. Hmm. When the no-flying zones were approved, however, some of Disney's public remarks suggested the company was not solely concerned about terrorist attacks. The sole and exclusive motivation for seeking these restrictions is for the safety and enjoyment of our guests. Disney spokeswoman Leslie Goodman told the Orlando Sentinel, so she's on the other coast, who cares, yeah, after the restrictions were created. But Goodman <laughs> added that the in, that enjoyment included keeping out banner ads from trial lawyers and pilots buzzing the parks. The no-fly zones have been challenged in court without success. Almost done. A Christian group, the Family Policy Network, said the government in 2003 sued the government in 2003 to allow a pilot to fly a banner that read Jesus Christ, HopeForHomosexuals.com over Walt Disney World during Gay Day. In its court filing, the group argued that the no-fly zone was unfair because Disney didn't own the airspace and the other theme parks potential terrorism targets such as downtown Chicago didn't have similar zones. I could keep reading, but I think we're done. I find it interesting that it's not it, that it's there's that whole advertising thing that maybe that's the real reason. I never knew that. That's what I, I always thought it was. I always hated the the banner guys. No, I, I, I do. Over. I just feel it's so disruptive. I so agree, I'm but. Glad. But, well, but do they have the right to make it, to use the argument of terrorism when... Well, considering they were technically terrorist targets, and it was highly publicized that the parks were terrorist targets. Yeah, sorry. I'm not taking your your terrorism expertise. We're not talking no, about food. No, but I'm food. just saying, it, they've always been yeah. considered terror targets, since day one. But then why? But see, I'm and I was going to say I was all for that. But after reading the article, I'm thinking this seems to be more of an advertising thing than anything else. Well, it's advertising and it's also aesthetics because you don't want a well, helicopter okay. flying I, over mainstream. No, I don't want. Yeah. I don't want any of these things either. But the government should say 
that it's okay. Like I just have, I'm kind of feeling a little libertarian here. I don't like, I love Disney, but obviously they're using the kind of the terrorism piece to get it so that there's not stuff flying over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want it, but now I thought was at what point was the, were there flight flights allowed over Disneyland? I know. I I don't remember. I I thought it was decades. Yeah. When we went for the 40th, Indiana Jones came down the Matterhorn. There were helicopters because of all the activity happening for the 40th anniversary. And they were drowning out the sound of some of the stuff that was happening. I remember that. Because in the early days, wasn't there a block of flights over Disneyland? I thought. Yeah, I think Walt worked that out. Yeah. Yeah. And then it went away for a while and then. They probably, when they did the voting and stuff, they just said, you know, what would Walt do? Yeah, that's exactly what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. That's the news. Thank you, Tony. Time for rapid fire. Let's start with Michael. Oh, the animals outside are frightful, (laughs) but the jungle is still delightful. (laughs) <laughs> yes, boys and girls, it's that time of year when you can yes. you can jingle through the Jungle Cruise once again. Woo-hoo! Yes, Jingle Cruise is back this Christmas season at Disneyland. And according to the Jungle Telegraph, an important shipment has been misplaced somewhere in the jungles of Adventureland. And it's not the juju heading for the Adventure Trading Company this time, but it is something that was very... Very important to the Jungle Cruise skippers. They were hoping to bring a little more holiday cheer to their Disneyland Park outpost this season, but the goodies and garlands somehow got misplaced and lost in the jungle. Will you see it in your cruise? Are the gorillas wearing Santa Claus hats this year? Is it true there are animatronic polar bears and an animatronic Sven in the jungle to capitalize on Frozen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're going to have to ride the Jungle Cruise this holiday season to find out. And uh, Thursday, November 13th, that's today, is the last day you can order your limited edition Jungle Cruise t-shirt, a Jingle Cruise t-shirt, from the Disney Store Online, and we'll have links to that in our show notes. Merry Christmas. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Mary Jo. Well, we have a big change coming at Disneyland. We have now the Fantasmic Dining packages that are going to be starting December 12th. This week, you can re- start reserving these packages. They have four different packages, and what it is is... We- before where you had the dessert packages, these are now the dining where you go eat at a restaurant for a fixed price and you get a fast pass to come back and watch Fantasmic from reserved seating or reserved area. I don't even know if it's seating, but, um, it is on the ground. Yeah, well, yeah, that's in some true. areas. So basically you now have to have a fast pass to watch Fantasmic. There is going to be limited seating for those who are first come first serve and we're going to find out december 12th how that all is going to work it's november 12th no it starts december isn't it oh but you can start making your reservations november 12th right this week you can already start making reservations Mm -hmm. and since um it's thursday they're already open so for the weekend this would be a good time to do it so your one choice is the blue bayou restaurant i believe that's the most expensive choice is a three-course meal which has the starter, entree, beverage, and dessert. It includes a fast pass. includes a fantastic themed souvenir. Your dinner begins at 4 p.m. And pricing is $61 for the adults, $23 for children Ouch. ages 3 to 9. You want to know what the souvenir is? Yeah. It's a fantastic cushion because that's you get... Your your reserved area is in the is in the seated area. <laughs> okay, I would be really ground. happy if it was a cushion, Michael. So you're teasing me too. Me I'd be no, I'm not teasing you. That's what it is. I'm thrilled. Oh, that's awesome. I really like that. Um, but that is the most expensive. 
Then you have the riverboat. And this one kind of bums me out because that was my go-to is I would sit at the Riverbell Terrace at 5 p.m. when we had first-time guests to Disneyland and sit there and, and hold our seats. And that's no longer, people are not going to be able to do that any longer because what, they, what they're having is the terrace will be open for breakfast until 2 p.m. each day, and then it's going to be reserved seating for um, Fantasmic. It's going to be table service dining location. Okay, and it's hmm. going to be one three-course meal, which is going to have the starter, entree, beverage, and dessert. Also, the Fantasmic Fast Pass does not include the, the souvenir like the Blue Bayou does. Dinner begins at 3 p.m., and pricing for the Riverbell Terrace Fantasmic Dinner Package is $41.99 for adults, $21.99 for children ages 3 to 9. So $41.99 versus $61, bucks, or let's say $42 versus $61. Bucks. $22 versus 23 for children. And for both of these, tax and gratuity are not included. So that's just their basic price. Next on the list is the Hungry Bear Restaurant, which has the Fantasmic Show Dessert Party. It includes a sweet dessert selection and beverages. Fantasmic Fast Pass also includes live entertainment, which is something new. And it begins 90 minutes prior to showtime. Now, they say prior to showtime, and I guess what they're talking about is the nine o'clock show. Pricing is twenty nine ninety nine for adults and children both. Tax and gratuity is included. So this is going to be thirty dollars for some sweet dessert selection at the Hungry Bear restaurant. The next one is the Aladdin Oasis Fantasmic on the Go. This includes one grab and go meal. Adult options are served with salad with a choice of dressing, dinner roll, beverage, and dessert. Includes um, herb marinated chicken with seasonal vegetables, lasagna bolognese, or vegetarian lasagna. I'm just kind of wondering how they're going to eat lasagna grab and go. So right. I'm trying to figure out the logistics of the seating because sitting down, yeah, in Adventureland, there's not much seating. So yeah, they said you can you can have some limited seating in Aladdin or find a seat in any of the counter service restaurants. So maybe you can go to Riverbell Terrace. Anyway, I doubt that you can do that, but it would be nice. Um, the child options are served with seasonal vegetables, fresh fruit, dinner roll, beverage, and Mickey cookie. And includes uh, either kids' chicken, pasta, or kids' macaroni and cheese. For these, you get the Fantasmic Fast Pass. Pickup times are between 12 p.m. and 7 p.m. And the pricing is 20 bucks for the adults, 14 for children ages 3 to 9, Tax is not included on these lunch specials. So space is, in, is limited for these experience. Advanced reservations are recommended, and you can reserve your Fantasmic dining packages um, for December 12th and beyond, um, either by going online to Disneyland.com or by calling the 714-781-DINE, which is the 781-3463 number, to get any of those. But if you don't want any of these packages, you can get fast passes to go see Fantasmic. And the, the fast pass, um, is going to be somewhere along the, um, Big Thunder Mountain pathway over there. So it's going to be first come, first serve. It's the fast pass distribution. Um, you will, it's, um, from the opening of the park, until one hour prior to the show time or while supplies last. So if they run out of those fast pass, then you won't get it. And I imagine that the, at the beginning, it's going to be really crowded. So you might want to make this your first fast pass of the day when you get into the Disneyland park. And I'm sure it's going to be like all the other fast passes where if you go during early entry, you're not going to get it. It's going to be available at the official park opening there. So... Um, and and I read that if they add a third Fantasmic show like they do during peak times, that will be uh, just first come, first serve. Oh, good to know. Good to know. And and like I said earlier, there is limited seating for the first come, first serve. I plan on getting, I plan on, on getting my, um, and I may have already got my reservation um, to, and <laughs> to go and I want to be there on the first or second day so I can do a review of it. 
And I want to see where they're going to be sitting and everything so we can blog mm-hmm. it and have that information up on the show as soon as possible. Excellent. Now, now Mary Jo, when you said the Big Thunder path, you mean the, you mean the Big Thunder trail? Yes. In the back. Okay. In the back there. I couldn't okay. think of the word. I think the they're word. still trying to decide where they're going to put the machines, aren't they? I think so. They they haven't yeah. given a, a specific location yet. Yeah. But they, well, they should, uh, um, they still have a month yeah. to figure it out. But it says that the fast pass will indicate the assigned show time, suggested return time, and the assigned viewing section. So it might be like World of Color where if you, the higher tiered restaurant's going to get the best views. It is. Blue Bayou will get the best and they're closer. And then other other views will be standing only. And they'll be more in the back to the sides. I want a cushion. <laughs> well, make your reservations at Blue Bayou. That's what Carol and I are going to try to do. Go go on December twelfth, Michael. Just, if, uh, just we're going to go in January. Well, instead of going home after the cruise, just go to Disneyland. Yeah, just go to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go together. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Thank you, Mary Jo. I will go next. Um, this is a benefit for the Walt Disney Birthplace. Uh, Broadway sings Disney to benefit the Walt Disney Birthplace. Uh, Michael Leon Woolley, who's the voice of Lewis from The Princess and the Frog, mm. presents a night of Broadway performers singing all things Disney. It's this coming Monday night, November 17th, and it is at Upstairs at Vitello's Jazz, Upstairs at Vitello's Jazz and Supper Club in Studio City. Um, admission is $35, but there are also preferred seating and VIP packages that are available. And I will put a link in the show notes with where you can get more details about it. So sounds like a cool night of entertainment. Uh, Nancy. Okay. Well, since we have been exhausting our discussion about Christmas at Disneyland, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out that on Monday, November 24th, right before Thanksgiving, um, from 7.30 p.m. to 10 p.m., City Walk at Universal Studios Hollywood is going to be hosting their tree lighting ceremony. Cool. Ooh. And they are going to be having the top 10 finalists from NBC's The Voice. Wow. As their um, entertainment. So. Well, The Voice films there, so that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, and and that's definite. But, I mean, we're big fans of The Voice. We like The Voice. It's the music quality is really good. I like it so much better than uh, well, you know, and they got Adam Levine, but <laughs> <laughs> and and Gwen Stefani this year, and and she is Southern California's own Anaheim's Anaheim's own. Yes, Gwen Stefani used to perform at Disneyland. She still goes. No, she still goes to Cortina's a little restaurant near my school. That apparently everybody says, oh yeah, she still goes there. Italian deli. I didn't know that. Yeah, I have no um, financial relationship with quirkiness. (laughs) Yep. And uh, so as a result, um, that is the excitement for this month. And then on top of it, um, they will be celebrating um, holidays at City Walk um, throughout December. They're going to be having the Gay Men's Course of L.A. Hmm. um, performing on... um, Sunday the seventh. Um, all uh, different, like I said, different um, groups. J and J Soulful Steps at at the Five Towers area. These are all free concerts. They're going to be on the thirteenth, on the fourteenth, and this is Saturdays and Sundays. Um, on the fourteenth. It will actually be the School of Rock Burbank holiday show, and they actually perform at our school sometimes. They're really cool. Um, there will be a Hanukkah celebration on the 21st. So and that's the 13th annual Hanukkah concert at City Walk. So December shaping up with a lot of really fun holiday um, specials and performances. And we'll give you more details about the other um, holiday events at Universal Studios, because I'm sure that there's probably some Grinchmas coming around the corner mm. that we can talk about. Excellent. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, Tony. 
Okay, merchandise, because that's kind of my thing. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, you're meat this week. Yeah, okay. So, first, look at the Run Disney Avengers Superheroes Half Marathon merchandise. It almost makes me want to start running again. No. Almost? Well, then, of course, i got to pay for it. And then when you add yeah. it all up, it's like $1,000 to get the t-shirt and the, <laughs> the running and, and all that stuff. But... The Superheroes Half Marathon Weekend, which is coming right up, so I guess we'll probably report on it in the news. I'll do it as a observer, not as a participant. But they have some cool new shirts they have with all the, your favorite Marvel characters. They have um, a Hulk Ooh, shirt. I smash the half. Get it? Because he's Hulk Woo-hoo! and he smashes things. Hulk smash, um, yeah. Sorry, boys. Gotta run. And I can't really tell who, which, but I'm sure it's a fast superhero. It's probably the Black Widow. Okay. It's probably the Black Widow, maybe. Uh, or is it Quicksilver? I have no idea. No, if it's three um, boys. Just let me read, Nancy. The um, American, um, the uh, Captain America has I Did It. That's a cool shirt. Of course, these are all those nice, thin, form-fitted ones that I couldn't wear anyways. Mm-hmm. Um Impressed, of course, you are with some woman superhero that I don't know who she is with the red hair. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Black this, Widow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. This whole big Marvel thing. I'm like, okay. I know the oh, Hulk. Oh, I am and... such a comic book girl. Yeah. So, sorry. And Sounds then, like um, Black Widow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I know none of these things. Run like a Tony superhero. Tony Scarlett Johansson with red hair. Whatever, it's a super, like, I don't know, I don't get the whole comic book thing. Every Anyways, man has a pipe dream about Scar- Scarlett Johansson, I'm no, sorry. No, okay. Also, you're going to get, um, the. they show, there's a picture on the blog of the medal, the, Dis- the official Disney blog, and the medal looks pretty amazing. It has that A symbol and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you are a fan of Duty and Burke bags, because I know you guys are. Um, you, I have many in yeah, my collection. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> Dooney and Burke Avengers inaugural superheroes half marathon bag that's very neon colored with all these little uh, I don't like it badges on it but um anyway so that's I don't like it some of the it's stuff you can get that way there and also there's more merchandise new stuff at new Disney's Grand Californian Hotel and Spa merchandise so what they have now are some nice. Um, if you're contemplating whether you should make a quick trip over to the store, I'm going to encourage it. You'll find the ladies and men's tees quite comfortable to wear, supposedly. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a zip, zip fleece hoodie, and it's supposed to be cozy. There's a few other items, such as there's some pillows with a nice, uh, like a throw pillow. This is definitely not my cup of tea here. Um, a throw pillow with Grand California Hotel and Spa on one side. And a nice tree on the other side. They have um, shirts that say Grand California in the Grand California font in red. I guess it's Christmassy. And green. Two separate ones. Red for one and green on the other. There's also pins, of course. There's a new one with – it's a cute one with a Chippendale marsh, uh, roasting acorns over a fire. And it says Disney's Crank Gank Grand – I can do this. Grand Californian Hotel and Spa. So they have a new fleece, new T-shirts, um, new Love hats. Love the pillows. The pillow, the throw yes. pillows are nice too. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned those throw pillows. I know. Hey, I hey. So um, <laughs> hey. There, there you go. If you want to spend money on merch, you can either go the Avengers route, and you know what's nice? You don't even have to run, and you can still buy the shirts. I'm sure. I mean, come on. I've always I've always looked down on people who do that, but now that I'm one of those people, hey, if it's a good shirt, buy the shirt. And um, the Grand Californian Hotel and Spa, and you don't even have to stay there. You could walk in, stay at a good neighbor hotel, get a Grand Grand Californian T-shirt, and a Hulk. I survive. I smash the half, and no one will know any different. So there you go. Yay! There's the new merchandise. You did a lovely job, Tony. No, I didn't, but thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tony. That will do it for rapid fire. Time for our thread of the week, Mary Jo. This week we have a thread from Avalon Toon. And Avalon Toon has been with the Diz since February of 2008 and hails from Eastern Canada. Hey. Hey. And 
this person write or this poster writes for Disneyland repeat visitors, which land do you visit first? And so I thought I'd go around the the state and ask you guys, which land do you guys visit first after Main Street and why do you gravitate towards that land? What draws you to it? So the actual post says, do you typically go to one particular land first? And if so, which one? Or do you mix it up each time you visit? And there were some responses that I'll read, but I wanted to go around California first. So this time I'll start with Michael. You know, I think we tend to mix it up. It really depends why we're going in that day. If, you know, like if we're with our granddaughter, we're most likely heading to Fantasyland. Uh, otherwise, it'll just be, you know, whatever we want to see. If there's an attraction or a show, you know, we're heading towards, you know, that, that we haven't been able to get on. You know, we'll head, you know, we'll head that way. So I don't think we have a particular pattern. You just kind of wing it whenever you go. We usually have a plan. So, but it varies, you know, every day. It just depends what we want to do or see. Okay, good. Tony, what about you? I mix it up. Kind of depends. Excuse me. It kind of depends where the food is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true, right? If you're if you're going and you want to try something specific, then yes. Yeah, I kind of depends on what I'm in the mood for food. So, yeah, I mix it up. Okay, Nancy, what about you? We are consistently inconsistent. (laughs) That means you mix it up. Yes, we definitely mix it up. (laughs) Okay. And Tom? Um, I would say typically Tomorrowland to head to Space Mountain or... The The other option would be like Adventureland or Frontierland. I don't know that I ever go to Fantasyland first. And I can understand why. So it's either either left or right, never never I'd agree with that. Kinda weird. Yeah. When um before Fast Pass and the and the days when we would just go to Disneyland once in a while, um we always we always went clockwise. We'd go Main Street, we'd go to Adventureland, and we always did that because the attractions tend to close at night in Adventureland and Frontierland. Some of them at least. And so, um, we would always do, we would always start in Adventureland and make our way and always end the night at Tomorrowland. But now for me, I typically go to Frontierland because I just love the atmosphere over there. I just like the way the ambiance and I like the shops there and everything. So that's typically what I do. But here, um, we have, Renta Yenta, who's a regular in our board, says she always goes to Adventureland. She always goes to Adventureland first. And McEnns from New Zealand goes um, straight for through the castle and goes straight for the teacups. That's their first ride of the morning. Uh-huh. And then at California Adventure, which we didn't talk about, but they he did here or she did here, um, they go to Carsland via the entrance near Pacific Wharf, which is a good choice. Best done first thing in the morning when there is no one there and it makes for a great photo. And um, Nitster has a quirky little tradition, she says, that they started completely unintentionally. They get their park opening, head straight for the Tiki Room, and then to Pirates. And they started because of a mishap on their first trip, but they continue because there is never anyone in the Tiki Room at Rope Drop. So they get the whole place to themselves and they love it. So that's, the kids liked it so much that they asked if that could be their thing. So that's their family tradition, which I think is really neat. That Um, is really neat. Yeah. Which which reminds me of when Nancy and I were in the Tiki Room because somebody didn't want to go with us. It was just Nancy and me and her family. Um, There were these two older gentlemen who were sitting there and they were totally clueless. And they asked Nancy, what is this place? So she and I both explained it to them and it was so cool because during the show I was, I kind of glanced over at them and they were bobbing their heads to the music, totally enjoying the show, but they were from New, ha- New Hampshire. And so uh, shout out to um, unknown guys from New Hampshire. <laughs> so, you know that like three cute. quarters of the state thinks you're talking to them now. That's awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> we so, love our New Hampshire fans. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Both of them. Cold never bothered me. Uh, obviously a new uh, dizzer. 
says that the last time they were there, they headed straight to the Indiana Jones at Rope Drop. And when they passed the Tiki Room, the cast member there was yelling, come visit the Tiki Room. First attraction of the day, the Tiki Room. And so um, some people went, but they didn't. They always go to Indiana Jones first and then to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. They want to hit the big ones. And they say that Frontierland seems to be nearly deserted first thing in the morning. So there's some more people. who, And it was fun reading some of these responses. If you would like to add to this list or read the other responses, there will be a link in our show notes um, for the thread called For Disneyland Repeat Revisitors, Which Land Do You Visit First? Um, they de- they cool. have a poll also, so you can do the poll. Right, right now, Fantasyland's winning. <laughs> All right. So you Tomorrowland people, get in there and vote. Um, thank you, Mary Jo. We'll, have, of course, have that link on uh, our show notes page at disunplug.com. Thank you, folks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening. <laughs>